How are you? I'm going to do the whole show like this. How How are you doing today, Jason? Doing good. Sounds like that robotic Misty. Remember I used to do that? Yeah. <clears throat> doing good today. Or we could doing do, well. We could do the whole podcast in that nationwide uh, nationwide jingle. Episode 177. <laughs> that would be bad. Travis Brock up next. Is on your side. Let's see if I can read one of the questions. I can't. There's no way I can't read a long question like that. Here's one. How's the truck classes doing? <laughs> How do you keep Jim Hughes under control? Yeah. These will be some pretty good questions. I actually printed out these questions today. Uh, what? Well, just in case my phone's going to be a little um, tied up. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to my voice messages in our chat. I did, actually. What do you think about that? I... I would have never guessed somebody would come and to you and fix your equipment. It's crazy, isn't it? It's beyond crazy. So for the listeners out there, I um, cracked my iPhone 7 Plus. And I have no idea how I did it because I did not drop the phone. But I'm thinking maybe I sat on it in the car and put a little stress on the screen and cracked it. And um, so I called Verizon up the other day and I said, you know, what do I got to do? I, um, I'm certain I have insurance on this. Uh, do I got to come in? Do I got to send it out? And uh, Verizon looked it up. They said, yes, you do have insurance. Uh, when would you like it scheduled? And I said, what do you mean? And they said, well, we come to your house and fix the phone. And I was like, what, what, what? I mean, they give me the option of going into the store, which is about 10 miles down the road, or they could show up at my house and fix it. And I said, uh, yeah, show up at my house. I don't like to leave my house, though. That would be a good thing to do. Good. Now we'll see how it goes, though, because, you know, you never know. We'll see if they fix it correctly. And, uh... They said they'd be here between 3 and 5, but uh, I got a call just about an hour ago saying, well, we're going to be there between 5 and 7 now. So, we're not going to give it a glowing review yet until he's finished. But pretty cool, because I know you had to wait, uh, what was it, three days for yours. Yeah, when I went and got mine fixed, I went to the Apple store and did everything. And I mean, it. not only was it a while before I got it fixed it took a while when I was there to fix it so well um, it's well worth the for me it's well worth the 10 bucks a month though Kirby mm -hmm. trashed me for it anyway but uh, he's like spend 120 uh, 120 a year when you can just buy a $40 tempered glass you jack off 
<laughs> I was like, that's all right. It covers everything. If it's lost or stolen, whatever, I don't have to worry about it. I don't like to uh, use protection for my phone. And uh, so it's just... In general, that's what I heard. <laughs> so, yeah, I have no case on this, no um, screen protector. And uh, it's been over a year, no problems at all, until the other day. And which I was saying to Kirby, I'm not sure if the tempered glass would have even done anything in this case. Because um, I think I sat on it. Something tells me that uh, maybe I have, have a hard time arguing with Kirby over, over that. Yeah, that will. Well, welcome back, Jason, from the 1-8 scale Roar Nationals. Not, Thanks. Not, not the result we wanted. It was kind of heartbreaking, too, watching Mayfield go around there in a semifinal, or whatever you call that. And uh, Man, 25-second lead, goes on his lid, flames out. I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Mm-hmm. I felt so bad. Yeah, I mean, that's... You know, that's kind of where I was at. I mean, you, you know, my first. <laughs> Whoa. You know, I, what I was thinking during the race was, I was like, you know what, this is going pretty well. It was, I, I don't want to say it was an, I don't want to say that it was an easy race, but it, it was, it was going, you know, pretty easy. And then he started catching up to traffic, and there was a, mm. a, a, a kind of a pile-up. There's kind of a pile-up on the back of the track off the triple jump, and he kind of got tangled in that. And there's a couple things that were you know, about that that was a little bit weird. And then it just had this real weird feeling to me. You know, I was just, I kept watching. Uh, Paul ran back to the pits. I think Thomas was in the back in the pits, and Paul ran back to get somebody something, and, you know, he, because there was only, like, a couple laps left, and, uh, you know, I was still watching, and all of a sudden he, you know, hits that pipe on the right side, car flips over. It was kind of hidden from me, mm -hmm. um, but you could just tell the way the marshal ran over to it and picked it up. I was just like, are you fucking serious? And I, like, turned around like I was going to throw my water bottle. <laughs> oh, well, at least it was your water bottle this time, not your phone. And, uh, yeah, I was going to throw. And then I, I, like, I said, you know, wait a second here. He's got a lap lead. So I turned back around, and I was like, all right, if they get this thing started quick enough, he might still be able to bump out of here and you know, get back into in contention enough to just get the spot into the main. And so I look up and I'm looking at the scoring and I'm like, you know, I'm trying to figure out like how close this is going to be. But he had like hardly any time. There was like two laps or something. And Billy Easton was the car in front of him. And Ryan actually drove really pretty calm considering he kind of knew what was going on and 
you know, a lot of, a lot of times you'll have like a situation where you try too hard and you like crash like three more times, but you know, he could see the next car and he did a pretty good job. He closed, uh, really fast on Billy and Billy was like a conservative, like, Oh crap. You know, I just got to finish off, you know, and Ryan caught him really fast. And all of a sudden, you know, it's just the last lap. First of all, they barely made it for the last lap. They make the last lap and Billy gets it around in enough time to, uh, get that direct transfer spot to the main and, 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 you know, Ryan at that point had no chance. He couldn't make the main. So yeah, it was a real bummer considering he was really the only guy that had anything for testament all weekend. Um, could have really TQ'd the race outright in the third round and a Marshall, uh, kind of, uh, stepped out in front of him. And yeah, just not, not very good luck. That's for sure. And you look, you know, Billy Easton transferred to the main and, um, he got 11th. Yeah. Jason, hold on. Okay. Okay. Uh, I don't know where you're at, but I got the call from the Verizon, and now they got to reschedule for tomorrow. So this isn't going too well. Hmm. Okay. Not going too well. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, kind of where where I where I was as I was just talking about, um, you know, Ryan not making it, and then you look at uh, the. You look at the results from the main, and uh, you know Billy Easton just got, you know that uh, final bump spot ahead of Ryan after he lost, which was, you know, a lap time for Ryan in that race was thirty, uh, high thirty-two, low thirty-three, and the lap he flamed out and had to be restarted. The whole thing was a minute and twenty-five seconds. Hmm. So he he lost a ton of time. And, um, you know, Billy was just in front of him. He made the spot, and uh, he ended up getting 11th, five laps down from Testman. So just kind of sucks, you know, the way the whole thing kind of works, where it's not that these guys don't deserve to be in the main, but it just sucks when a, um, one of the guys that should be in there isn't in there, and your race is, you know, your weekend's over. So a lot of the other races, they have last chance qualifiers, like the Euros and the Neo Buggy, and they have a last chance qualifiers. Uh, and then you you basically, they take all the people that, um, that can go back out and they run another race. Um, uh, that's kind of quick, you know, it's like 10 or 15 minutes. And then they take like one or two more drivers from the last chance. So in that format, uh, the Ryan would have had at least that one last chance to get in there. And, uh, and of course, if, then if you have an issue or break or flame out, it's like, Hey, you know, you had two shots. Hmm. And, uh, anyway, 
there was just a lot of crazy things that happened that weekend, and um, it wasn't easy. You know, at first they were the weather. We had to deal with the weather, which was, you know, yeah, crazy. Uh, this crazy weather. Uh, they were thinking about maybe um, about running just a regular uh, format, no semifinals and mains. That's how they first set up the main events, which they were just going to go straight to the mains um, and not have the semifinals, quarterfinals. So then it would have just been like a normal kind of race. Brian would have qualified second. They would have run the main. And so at first they were going to do that after the rain stuff. Then they changed and they decided not to do that. They go back to the ladder system, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But um, sure would be nice for a couple of these things to uh, go our guy's way. But, you know, I mean, the race itself was awesome. The track was great. It was. I, I really liked the tr- I really liked the track. Um you know, it's close to us. It was only, you know, just a little over two hours away. So we were able to leave and uh, get back home and, you know, go back to work on Monday and start uh, catching up and and uh, doing our thing. So, um, so that was nice. Nice having one close. And I watched uh, pretty much all weekend on LiveRC.com. It was good. Mike Harrison did a great job. Good job, Mike. Yeah, Mike got there. He came over and uh, he said, you know, he talked to us for a bit when he first got there. He's like, all right, well, I'll see you guys on Sunday. <laughs> like, because he was yeah. busy in that trailer the whole time, yep. which he pretty much was. He he only came out a couple times, uh, just real, uh, just busy. Schedule this appointment. Now I'm typing to somebody. So I gotta call somebody now. Okay. I have to call in before six. How am I gonna do that? It's five fifty-eight. Just call tomorrow. Blame it on them. So you calling? Yep. Better get it done. Got like one minute. Do you want me to get Travis on for you, or do you want to just no, All just right. start. I'm gonna put you on. Do, mute. Your, do your thing first. All right, I'm back again. Okay. I got through, so let's see how this works tomorrow. I'm supposed to be here between the hours of three and five. At least they didn't say like the cable company. We'll be there between eight a.m. and five p.m. Just wait around for us. Remember that Seinfeld episode? <laughs> yeah. That's great. All right. Where were we before I rudely interrupted this conversation? Uh, we were just talking about the Roar Nationals. Yeah. You know, I was impressed when um, uh, Mayfield flamed out there, and that was Dakota Fenn that grabbed his car to run it back to the pits, right? Uh, that could have been, yeah. I was, I was impressed that he hustled. You think Dakota had just been like, da, 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 da. Yeah, he's trying to do him a favor. Good guy, good guy. Yeah, that was a bummer. And, 
that's what happens when I watch Jason. Uh, I just bring this bad luck. <laughs> I guess I should. Well, just... you know, <laughs> it took a it took a bullet out of the chamber for us, but you know, Spencer ran a great main. Yeah. Um, yeah, he he damn near won the thing mm-hmm. uh, at the end, and he put a charge on, and you know, Tessman's tires were really bald at the end of that race, and uh, and Spencer made up a lot of ground. You know, we we ran the right tire in the buggy main uh, for us. Uh, I think we had the longest lasting tire in the buggy race and uh, probably the, the faster combination. Spencer ran him down and and uh, tried to put a couple moves on him, um, and then he kind of bounced off of a pipe there on the right side and lost a little bit of gap, and they only had a couple laps left, and he just couldn't get in position to try to make a pass. So I mean, but you still, I mean, you got uh, to tip your hat to... Uh, the tie. I mean, he only made like, I think he only made two mistakes in the race. So, you know, it's kind of hard to beat. You know, definitely would have been nice to have um, Mayfield in there. Would have been nice. But that's how it goes. And uh, Cavallari ran him hard too for the first half of the race. Cav ran him really hard and he crash got into the I was calling it a little sippy hole in the back because uh, they had dug a hole on that back on the outside of that back straight for water to drain to or mud or whatever and oh. um, he kind of got caught and he flipped and got caught in there and just lost so I mean that's how Spencer got back by Cavallari to put a run on tie but before that you know Cavallari was in the lead several times and was actually running a good race himself So when you go back and look at the lap times, you know, top, the fastest lap, top five, top 10, top 15 laps, uh, Spencer and Cavalieri were all faster than Ty. Mm. And uh, it's just mistakes that cost them the win. Kind of frustrating. Uh, but that's how it goes. And the truck main, um, our, you know, it was kind of early in the morning when these mains were happening, and they had an A main warm up for truck. Uh, it was kind of early, and our guys went out there and tried a couple tires in the the A main warm up, and you know, I was watching the time, watching the track, checking the temperature. And I was like, you know, uh, Mayfield Mayfield kind of decided to go for it on a tire selection. And the other guys followed suit. Everybody kind of ran what Mayfield ran or wanted to run. Mm-hmm. They did driver intros, which took about, you know, 10 to 15 minutes. The race was only 30. And the track start, was heating up. And our tire selection the longer they were doing intros, the um, the worse and worse our tire selection was getting. Oh, man. Uh, because cause we kind of went for it. You know, lowest tread pattern, uh, uh, cooler temperature type compound, and 
you know, but we wanted to go for it a little bit more because that's the class that Ty was a little quicker in, um, in, in Truggy. So we went for it. And, uh, so the idea was maybe Mayfield would get a, could get a good start, get up, get towards the front with Cav and Spencer and they could put some pressure on Ty and, you know, Cavallari did for a little while. Mayfield never got the start that he needed um, because by the time the end of the race came, Mayfield put together the fastest lap. Hmm. The top, he had the he had the fastest lap, the, the fastest top five, and the fastest top ten, I believe, in Truggy. But he had to come from back from the back of the pack. So, um, and in the end, you know, halfway through the main, you could tell our tire wasn't. Uh, wasn't the perfect selection for that time. But, you know, if they wouldn't have had any, you know, driver intros or anything like that, I think we would have got away with that tire selection a little more. But um, but that's how it goes. We went for it, and it uh, didn't really pay off in that class. And then in buggy, we just came up 1.7 seconds short. So good nationals. Uh, I mean, I'd I'd love to rerun it. <laughs> ah, well, let's try and reschedule that. Let's run it right back and try it again. Yeah, but um, yeah, I was heartbroken. Felt bad for Mayfield, especially in that interview. He did an interview uh, afterwards, and uh, you could tell it was, you know, but like he said, hey, we got two other drivers in the main. See what the hell happens, and those guys almost got it done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. True. He did. He helped. Uh, he helped his Mugen teammates. He helped his J Concepts teammates. Uh, you know, he was pretty involved in helping them get out there and run, and and uh, he did a good job. Yeah, I mean, we we got to run some new t- some of our new tires over the weekend pretty happy with that uh the performance was good got a lot of positive feedback um how'd that new tire work out what do you call that the ellipse that that's right ellipse yep how'd that work out yeah i mean it's kind of a long story uh (laughs) (laughs) just tell me it worked out good i'll be happy there yeah it worked well yeah good and that's uh, getting ready to ship out to all the shops there pretty soon? Uh, the 10th the scale buggy version will be ready first. Uh, just kind of like uh, as timing would have it, I guess you could say, the 10th scale buggy will be available first. Mm-hmm. Which people, there hasn't, many people really haven't seen the 10 scale buggy version. It's only been run once in public. Uh, Mayfield ran it. Um, so, and I think people, that will be the most popular one by quite a bit. The eight scale buggy and the Truggy version is, I mean, it'll be popular, but it's not as, as well rounded, I guess you could say as the 10 scale buggy version will be, um, just because of surface conditions, you know, an eight scale, 
know, an eight scale, uh, you can use a much larger variety of tires in eight scale. But in 10 scale, you, you kind of have to be, you know, it's narrowed down to, you know, bar style tires on indoor clay tracks and carpet tires. I mean, that's really almost what we've narrowed it down to. So, you know, there's still some outdoor racing where you need pin tires, but near, not near as many as as there used to be, that's for sure. So, so when do I want to run these uh, new uh, these ellipse tires? What situation do I need these? Well, for for ten scales, all indoor clay tracks, you know. Okay. So we'll we'll release the tire in several compounds, and then uh, you know the guys usually pick the compound depending on the track. For eight scale, the buggy class, um, a lot of the indoor events. For eight scale, you, you know, uh, it'll probably be a popular tire there for qualifying. You know, in the mains, you, you got to go much longer, so uh, you'll have to run more of a a longer wear tread for main events, but that's pretty standard. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Truggy, there's just not a lot of options like this, like the Ellipse. Hmm. So people are going to give it a try, especially indoors, uh, e-Truggies. Nitro Truggies, guys are going to like those tires. They're light. They're fast. Um, so uh, they're going to be good. Nice. Uh, so show those. Um, and we ran them. Uh, Mayfield, uh, he he actually, we ran them in the morning in 8 scale when the track was kind of wet. We would run the ellipse. And then in the afternoon, we'd run a traditional pin tire like a detox and that was the the round of qualifying he TQ'd was actually on detox and the other one he should have TQ'd uh, I, I think he was on he was actually on blue reflexes the other one where uh, he should have TQ'd but um, so then we got to the mains everybody was running detox then so it was good um Tires are working well. We're working on getting those out. Everyone will see the 10-scale one first. Um, and then, what else? Oh, we released a couple new bodies. UTV. I saw that. Came out pretty cool. With the help of uh, Ryan Mayfield on that design, because I'm assuming he rides those out in the desert, right? Yeah, he does. I read the press release. See? I read it. I read it. That's good. Yeah. So, yeah, we're excited about that UTV. I think it's going to be a good seller. Uh, widely used for the, the Slash slash 4x4 guys. Uh, you know, we sell a body called the Badger, which was something we made a long time ago. Mm. And it's been in our line, lineup for probably, I don't know, seven years. And people still like them on the slash and uh this body is kind of in that uh genre i guess you could say and i think people are gonna like it uh fred painted the body on it uh we've tried some different combinations painted something a little different um that's actually has the colors that mayfield's personal vehicle is and he didn't even know that. He just he just painted it, and I'm like, hey, do you, do you know this is the color that 
Ryan, he's just like, no way. Oh, you're kidding. That's amazing. <laughs> and then we just released a uh, 2008 monster truck, or Ford monster truck body. And that's uh, been in development for a while. We had that at the World Finals back in March. Uh, but just now got all of our decals sorted out. Takes a while to make the decals, print the decals, uh, get the licensing approval, but it's all done. So Nice. And then you had something like a street rod that you showed me a picture of, too. What was that? The drag car, right? Yeah, we're not we're Can't not talk. showing that until this weekend. Oh, okay. But, uh, but that'll make an appearance this weekend. Sweet. And that's at, uh, where's that at again? Texas Motor Speedway. Fred... Fred and Rich are heading out to Texas Motor Speedway for the RCDRL, uh, which is called the the Super Nationals for drag racing, RC drag racing. And uh, they got a couple items they're bringing out there to debut for us. You know, uh, some of these things don't, uh, you know, if you're a hardcore off-road racer, on-road racer, eight scale, whatever, you know, some of these releases don't make a lot of sense, but to them because they're not all of them are uh, race inspired, but it, it's important to be well-rounded in this too. And, exactly. Um, and, you know, so we, we, we want to make sure that we have some things that fit other vehicles that are popular and that have done well for us on the market. So we're doing our best to try, try to have some options and different things for people to, uh, you know, experience more J-Concept stuff. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. The more stuff, the better. Yeah. Alright, last week on or last week on the show we had Chad Brockman. And this That's week, right. And this week we have Travis Brock. <laughs> That's good. I'm picking the names based off of the pronunciation now. Yeah. So we could do the Vince McMahon impersonation. Yeah, it's important. It is. It really is. Yeah. I agree. Travis Brock of SDRC Raceway. I'm assuming that stands for San Diego Raceway. Mm-hmm. San Diego and I, um, I think it's I think it's San Diego San Diego RC Raceway. Yeah. And uh, actually, I was catching some of his live videos uh, he did the past two days here. Um, like like Chad Brockman, he does these videos from the hobby shop, letting you know what came in stock and all this other stuff. So pretty good. I don't know how those guys get in front of the camera like that, and uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be too good at that. Uh, yeah, sometimes I don't mind doing the selfie videos. Uh, You're good at but, it, but yeah, nobody wants to see me anyway on there. Well, you got a face for for uh, radio, face for audio, face, face for, for radio. radio, and voice for silent movies. <laughs> and it's true. So, yeah, that's kind of the uh, couple things in a nutshell there. Hello, hey Travis, how you doing? Doing great. How are we doing today? Scotty here with Jason. Awesome. What are you guys doing this afternoon? 
Yeah, recording this little podcast that we run. I heard about that thing. You know, I was watching some of your uh, Facebook videos. I was just telling Jason, too. I was just checking them That's out. That's good. Yeah, you do a good job with them, man. Uh, thank you, man. It's been a, a struggle the last year and a half getting comfortable doing those versus uh, you go back to when I first started doing them, and uh, it was a, a, a little bit more of a mess than it is now. See, that's we were just talking about that. Like, I don't know how you guys do that because I'd be screwing up and just it would be crazy, and then scaring off people too with my face. But yeah, yeah. well, that, that that happens occasionally also. But I mean, if you can't deal with my face and my bad jokes and me dealing <laughs> with phone calls and the UPS guy and whatever, uh, maybe it's not for you. Oh know. yeah, the mailman came the other day. Yeah, it was his last day. Unfortunately, I really like that guy. So oh, whatever. Maybe you saw one of my videos. Yeah. That's a shame. Yeah. On to the next one. Yeah. So, uh, Travis, tell us about the, you know, kind of you know, what we normally do is start people off how they with their RC, how they got an RC in a little bit, and then we'll kind of move up to you getting into the, the track business yeah. there. And uh, so give us a um, little rundown I guess of how you got into I, RC kind of a late bloomer i guess i don't know i got a what it was it like a grasshopper when i was a kid when i was i don't know six or eight or whatever that was and had that for a while kind of made me love toy cars and then that was that moved on when i was 15 or 16 i bought i guess it would have been a double xt um i was living in temecula california so i was about half hour south of corona where m&m was and uh, i managed mm-hmm. to get up there maybe handful of times maybe eight ten times or something i had a blast running there but being younger not having a driver's license uh didn't have a ride to the track so that was short-lived after a couple months and just kept riding dirt bikes and quads and living the temecula life that you see all over the internet um it's what we did out here and got hurt a couple times and found my way into a hpi fifth scale a couple of my buddies had those and really enjoyed uh driving and running those and working on them and having a two-stroke motor that could tear apart and all the other cool parts. Um, I was looking for work at the time, and my buddy Rodney was working up at HPI, so one thing led to another. I got a job there working in customer service. That was my first RC job probably about 10 years ago. Um, Once I started working there, we played with other stuff, some slashes, and started racing two-wheel drive slash. So pretty much my whole racing career for RC stuff has been – lipo batteries and 2.4 radios so i never really had to deal with the clips clips very much so i'm a a new guy for the most part just kind of trickled on from the last 10 years and got some better equipment went to the track a little bit more got fast got slow got old and uh yeah so that's uh the quick rundown on my rc history there so when you had the fifth scale uh, where did you run those at, and what was that all? What was that little segment all about? That was some of the most fun I ever had. I mean, when we first started running, uh, we had some property out here in Temecula, so a couple friends had some tracks at their house. Um, we also had a couple other tracks in Southern California. Milestone Motocross Park had a really nice fiscal facility that we used to run at, so we can go up there and club race on Saturdays when that was around, and uh, it, w- it was boom, and this was before Losi had their truck, so it was pretty much just the, the HPI buggies, the short courses, and uh, we did that. So um, I also had an opportunity to travel with John Schultz from HPI for a while, 
and uh, I went to some races. I went back to Digger's Dungeon on the East Coast to the, mm. the big race that they had out there. I made it to New York to the Hostel Fest, and uh, mm-hmm. really got to do quite a bit of travel with the fit scale and racing around the country and having a blast with that thing. Um, that was pretty much before I picked up any tent scale stuff, and uh, once I got to the tent scale side of things, it got a lot more serious and more fun also. I really like to be able to run a couple days a week versus having to tear the stuff down and spend hours upon hours rebuilding them. Yeah, because the, the fifth scale is, I mean, that's just a huge project, and that car was only two-wheel drive at the time, right? Correct, and, I mean, it was it was bad to get parts out of I mean, to get the transmission out of that car was a project for the day, and back then I was torn. I had my little junky energy tool set, and rounding screws out every five minutes so i mean my arm my forearms were just massive from working on that thing he looked like popeye pretty much yeah just not as attractive as him he's a good looking dude yeah he is (laughs) so so then uh so what you know when you got into 10 scale did you find it like uh easier or harder or did just just much more appealing in general um, I don't know. I was I was that guy at the track. Like I was working at HPI at the time, and HPI kind of rented a back room at OCRC. So when I first started going, mm-hmm. I mean, you can talk to RB and Nick about me. I was that idiot with way too much power and not knowing what he's doing. You pass the same guy four times a lap, but you wreck every other turn, and you think you're doing good. But looking back on it now, I was totally that guy that was just everyone on the driver's train was probably going, "What the hell is this idiot doing?" <laughs> Yeah, we call him a squid now. Yeah, I was a full-on squid. (laughs) Especially uh, HPI came out with their uh, their Vorza, their uh, ready-to-run 8-scale. No, what was it? It was the Hot Bodies DE8 or something. And uh, I got one of those 4S and a 2650 motor in it. You were ready to drag race? Oh, I I hit one of the lights at OCRC back in the day. It was awesome. (laughs) What are you gonna do, right? Yeah. And then, uh, so then you you got better uh, as a driver. Um, a little bit. Um, it really kind of clicked for me. I bought a what was it? It was a Team Associated B four point two or something or a Worlds. I, I can't remember exactly which kit it was. It was one of the Team Associates. It was a real my my real first kit there. And uh, I did that. I moved out to Denver about a week after I bought that. I lived out there for a year. So um got to really do the start of my serious racing out there at uh, More RC with Chad Blockman. Yep. And uh, it was a, a real pleasure hanging out with him for the last year and uh, learning everything with him. And then got to be good, pretty good friends with Newmandal out there, spent some time with Chambers, Evans, and uh, just really started putting time in at the track and working on my stuff and trying to get faster and faster. I ended up moving back out to California and, uh, things had kind of clicked in that year and just had a lot of fun. I started racing at Hemet competition raceway. Um, and they were doing a, a Friday night short course program. There was $10 a class. I was running my SC 10 two wheel drive. I was running my SC 10 four wheel drive and it was 
it was a blast. That was some of the best days of my life right there as far as racing RC cars, running outdoors, some short course. I I love short course still. It's it's the best. So when you were running at Hemet, were you running at the Hemet Outdoor Track then? Uh, yeah, Joey wasn't running it at the time. It was owned by uh, Dynamic Hobbies, Bob over there. And yeah. uh, they had a, it was a real good program. I mean, there was a couple quick guys coming out, but no one real fast. Carson Warnemont was coming out for a while. Um, Michael Losey, who's a Gil Losey Jr. son, he was coming out once in a while and racing with us. Uh, Carson was just crushing everybody out there. He was probably 13 or 14 years old and just on another level compared to everyone else. But that was when he was up and coming and really getting his stuff together and figuring it out. Yeah. And, uh... So... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. So then from there, you got, uh, you know, obviously the, you were pretty serious about the short courses, but did did you start getting where you're more serious about the uh, the buggy stuff, too, or, or did you kind of just get into that because you had to, or...? Um, not really so much because I had to. It just... The, the two-wheel drive short course from Associated was phenomenal. I loved that SC10. It was so good. And I also had my SC10 4x4, which we all know probably wasn't the best truck ever made, especially for racing outdoor. Back yeah. then, just not want to stay on the ground. So I ended up switching over to a, a Losi SCTE and uh, got to know a couple of the Losi guys pretty well and hooked up with them for a couple of years. So I switched over to pretty much all TLR products at that point. Um the 22 was out, two-wheel drive buggy, really got into racing stock with that thing, and something about two-wheel drive buggy just is a blast. It's the Formula One of off-road RC, if you will. I mean, obviously there's jumps, and there's not supposed to be jumps in Formula One, but it happens occasionally. But it just, <laughs> uh, it, it, it's, it was a good time. So we were taking the two-wheel buggies, we're going to OCRC, we're going to West Coast, and putting a lot of time in and got pretty quick with the stuff and had a damn good time. Went to, I think we had, it was 2012 Roar Nationals were at West Coast. Um, yeah. Made the mains for stock buggy and stock truck that year. Totally blew out in both of them from that point, but I guess that would be the, the peak of my RC racing career, if you will. So um, at at that time... Did you race at both, uh, I mean, I guess you probably did, but you'd raced at both OCRC and West Coast, and you had been to Denver, you raced, you know, over there, and and uh, how, how did you, uh, how do you kind of measure up all those tracks and where they fit in with, uh, you know, kind of what you're, you know? You know, West Coast was the most visually appealing track I've been to at the time. I mean, walking into Hobby Action now, that kind of blows everything out of the water. But yeah. West Coast, it was really, really nice. They had some cool layouts. They had the on-road track. Um, but OCRC, like, I mean, I'm I'm SDRC now, but, like, in my mind, it's like OCRC is my home track. That's where I grew up driving. That's where I made my first friends and where I really started racing at. So, um I don't know if it's just that, but that place is always going to hold a special spot in my heart. RB, Nick, those guys are just fantastic. That's that's what I strive for with SDRC every day is to make it as good as what they do. Um, mm-hmm. Chad's place out in Denver, it's uh, it's different. I, I don't believe you've been out there, have you? No, I've never been there. So it's a 
much, much smaller facility. And the weirdest thing is, uh, so you have your regular sandbox at square. The driver stands at a 45-degree angle in a cutoff corner of the track. So mm-hmm. it's not a full square. So you get up there and you're driving, and uh, you're kind of at a weird angle. You've never driven at any other track before. And if you don't qualify good and you don't get your spot to go up there, not only do you move over sideways, but you're taking a step back or forward from all the lines that you've been hitting all night. So it's a real, real um, interesting interesting track to drive on. On top of that, it's a smaller box. I think it's 75 is the straightaway, maybe by 40 or so. And a uh, little dusty, so if you get out of the groove, you're pretty much done. So it just really teaches you how to drive some, some really tight lines, hold your line there. And uh, I think that's what made guys like Numendal Evans and when Chambers was racing all the time so fast as they just had to focus on hitting those marks perfectly or they were off pace. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's a lot of good drivers over time that have come from that track, and mm-hmm. you, sometimes you kind of wonder, is there anything about that track, you know, that that has helped those guys? You know, it's just a, a great group of people out there. But something about that dirt, I mean, it's super, super abrasive. They water at night and then don't really water throughout the day. So you'll end up chewing up some tires. But by mains, you're running on slicks, and they sweep the track off. But that groove's about one and a half car widths wide, and if you're not in that groove, you're doing Mario Kart donuts into a pipe on the side of the track. And with 12 to 14-second laps, you're a lap down before you know it. So it really, really makes you focus on being perfect. Yeah, staying in, staying right where you need to be. Exactly. So then, kind of moving into your, uh, you know, getting into with SDRC, maybe explain mm-hmm. how you kind of got there and, you know, kind of where it was started and, and that type of thing. Well, I was at HPI for about a year or so. Had some issues over there with a different employee. We'll just not really get into that too much because it's stupid and it's California bullshit stuff. Sorry. Um, and uh, went from there to working at a hobby town for a couple of years. Uh, went from hobby town to Horizon Hobby for about a year and a half doing tech support for them and then spent a few months over at ProLine also. So I'd worked in RC for six, eight years, whatever it was, and then went and got a real job, made a few dollars, and Money was good, but I just wasn't happy. I wanted to get back into RC. So um, I'd become pretty good friends with Scott Bergen, the guy who started SDRC and laid all the groundwork for it, and he did a fantastic job with everything. So I was looking to reopen a track, and uh, there was two tracks in Redlands, California. There was one called Redlands Raceway, smaller track, really nice facility, and then uh, about five minutes from then there was another track called uh, IERC. I remember you and Chad yep. were talking about that last week. Mm-hmm. So Larry that had IERC basically put the smaller track out of business because IERC was the better track, and they were literally a mile and a half from each other. Opened within a couple weeks. Yeah. It was crazy. So Larry ended up closing down IERC and purchasing Thunder Alley, and that left this area up in Redlands just – they were having 100 racer nights constantly, and both tracks were gone. It was wild. So I was looking at picking up the building that uh, Redlands Raceway was in. The sandbox was still there. The build-out was there. The pit tables, everything was still there. And I was going to reopen that and uh, put some carpet in there. I'd been talking to one of my buddies about doing that with him. So 
I went down, had a meeting with Scott at SDRC and kind of got his plan and what he was doing. He was going through some different times in his life, didn't have the time to dedicate to SDRC, so we just kind of said, hey, you know what, instead of starting your own thing, why don't you take this over? It's turnkey. It needs attention. It needs a lot right now. And if you're willing to go put it into another building and risk trying to get everything set up, why not just step into this? So me and Scott figured out some numbers for some stuff, and uh, everything made much more sense than trying to reopen a new track and get everything rolling right there. Good. And he had, um, he, you know, he kind of been in the business there for a little while because he had, what, two or three locations? Uh, so he was around for about six years with the original SDRC, and then he opened a outdoor um, eight-scale track for, I don't even know how long he ran that for, a couple months, maybe six months, maybe it could have been a year. But without any real revenue down there, he kind of, got out of that one, passed it off to one guy, passed it off to another guy, and that place is gone and done now. But Scott's main focus with the RC stuff was SDRC, it seems like. Um, I haven't really got into him with the, with the other stuff, but most of his stuff was SDRC. And then when he had that first SDRC, which is a, a little bigger, and then he kind of went to the almost a little newer, cleaner, a little bit smaller where you are now. Uh, I right. think you raced that, obviously, both of them. How do you compare the two tracks? Um, the other track was obviously a little bit bigger, but the dirt was just terrible at the other facility. Um, the dirt we have mm -hmm. right now, I think, is probably some of the best in the country. We can run it wet. We can run it completely dry. We can do a million different things with it to have a ton of grip. So I think the dirt alone makes this place better. Um, I like the layout now. We have a nice, dedicated hobby shop that's big, clean. We have tons of product in stock. Um, and then we have a nice track on the outside, kind of a wraparound pit shoe area or horseshoe-style pit area, um, bright lights. We we put so many more lights in in the last year that the track's really just really, really brightened up a lot from what was even a year ago. So just the whole vibe you get with the new facility versus the old one, it's cleaner, it's brighter, um, everyone that's working there is doing a great job. We've got an amazing, amazing staff. And uh, we just we do our best to make sure that everyone has the best experience when they come down there. Yeah, I mean, I, we're constantly hearing uh, how much people like it. And, um, you know, I, it's it's crazy, but it's like you – I mean, you got people like, you know, Chad Eubanks and these kind of guys who come from – they fly down there for the weekend and stuff like oh, that, yeah. right? It's awesome. So, I mean, Chad's phenomenal. I don't know how that guy hits so many races around the country, but uh, he's uh, <laughs> one of my favorite people I've met in this industry. And he, he was coming to SDRC when Scott owned it quite a bit. And when he came down, uh, since I took over, I didn't really know Chad that well. But uh, the 10 times he's been down the last year, we've gotten to be pretty good friends and chat on a regular basis now. So it's uh, neat to have guys like that, Tommy Hines, uh, all the Arizona guys that come out on a regular basis, they're, they always just make it such a great weekend. Yeah, and, I mean, I don't know if, um, you know, a lot of these local tracks are kind of, they get, I don't really know what the right word is, but, you know, a lot of, you know, a big-name driver will get, uh, you know, associated with that track. And, um, you know, who, who do you have that kind of came 
that has come through, you know, your track and who maybe is coming up that, that you uh, like watching and, I guess, supporting you know, and kind of rooting on? It makes me laugh. I was looking uh, LT out at Hobby Action the other day. They, uh, I guess it was probably a month ago. He put up the world championship banners for uh, Mayfield, for Rivkin, and for Kenwald. I'm sure you saw those, yeah? Yeah, I've seen them. Well, I did the same thing at my track. So everyone that has a world championship at my banner or at my track has a banner up on the wall also now. So it's we're we're like three short of what they're running, but we got a we got a pretty good thing going. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah. as far as as far as guys coming up, um, I think probably our most promising driver is going to be Matt Gonzalez. Um, you know Matt pretty well. He's driving for Associated, driving for J Concepts. He's 15 now. And uh, he started out doing one of Scott's uh, learn-to-drive clinics years ago, and he's just uh, really been rolling with it and has a great positive attitude on everything. And uh, when it clicks for him at the big races, he's right there. I mean, I think he was in the back of the year, the front of the B up at Tacoma for two-wheel mod this time. I'm not 100% sure where he's at. But uh, he, uh, he's he got some real talent right there when he keeps his head on straight. Um, beyond that, we've got a few other guys. Tyler Hicks is down there. He's associated with J-Concepts. Um, he's not racing all the time, but when he comes down, he's always a pleasure to be around and always a good time. Uh, we got other guys from TLR. we got Kevin King. we got Eli Westrup, a couple more good guys like those. And, uh, mm-hmm. We don't have any real top, top-level racers. But the guys we do have down here, we, we always have a good time. They they can usually hold their own and get some of the bigger names that come from out of town until it gets a little crazy and you get the Rivkins and all those guys. I mean, they're on another level, but it's fun to battle with them still. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I notice is, you know, your guys definitely hold their own uh, at, at your track. But then when they travel, you know, they, they do pretty well too. You know, even like Kevin King and these guys that, you know, I see him do Reedy Race and other stuff. And, you know, f- for guys that are, are club racers, a little regional talent, um, like you said, they hold their own, right? Yeah, definitely. That's what it's about, I mean, getting out there. I mean, I, I wish I had one of those Ribkins or Cavalieri's or whatever that lived in the area. Actually, you know what? We we do now. We have Mason Epley as our local, local fast guy now. So Mason moved down um, about a month ago. Um, and he's at our track five, six days a week now running full-time, so I totally spaced my mind, but uh, Epley's a SDRC local now, so it's pretty cool to have him there. He's uh, giving those guys a run, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even really realize uh, he had moved down there, but uh, he was from, like, Northern California? Yeah, he was uh, racing yeah somewhere in Central or Northern California. I'm not 100% sure, but... I think he was racing at NorCal on a regular basis. So um, he's been pretty stoked to have a little bit larger track. I mean, he had nothing good st- but good stuff to say about uh, NorCal, but seems to be doing pretty good. And then we got Techno less than two minutes away, their, their head facility. So he's able to come over and do a lot of testing with them and get more and more laps in. So he's, he's really getting fast, and he's going to be one of those guys you want to watch out for, and not only 8-scale but 10-scale as well. He's just a, a real wheel. Yeah, I noticed that this, uh, you know, Nationals was over the weekend, and uh, I mean, he was constantly putting in top ten runs. I can't remember if he made both days, or I, I don't remember, but he was right there. Uh, I noticed his speed more than anything, and uh, you, you can see he's improving. 
Yeah, he's. Uh, I think in the next couple of years, he's going to be a real contender right there. I mean, he had some good runs even at Reedy Race and uh, running two-wheel drive and his four-wheel drive car also. So, I mean, I think once a couple more little things click for that guy, he's going to he's going to be right there with some of the, the top, top guys, especially for 10th scale. I mean, he's just – it's insane watching him drive. It's, it's a real pleasure. So going kind of into the, the, the hobby shop side of having – uh, you know, the SDRC, what's, you know, you know, how are you doing things in, in the shop? You know, there's obviously uh, different ways to, to do things in RC in terms of a hobby shop, a pro shop, online sales, uh, you know, how, how are you approaching your, your shop and, you know, what, what's it like in there for people that don't get to see, you know, what you got? Um, let's see. So, Scott, the previous owner, he was trying to get an online shop up and running and putting quite a bit of effort towards that and getting everything cataloged online. Um, When I came in, I did not have any experience with that. I didn't want to deal with trying to keep Joe Schmo happy on the Internet and making sure his order got shipped out. I didn't have enough man hours for that. So we basically shut down the start of the online web store, and I said, we're just going to do over-the-counter sales right now. If somebody wants something, they can pick up the phone and call in. I'm happy to go put it in a box. But I don't want to have to worry about checking emails and trying to get stuff shipped out when it's one, maybe two things a week. It just wasn't worth it in my mind. I want to focus on my customers and make sure they have the best experience when they walk in. Oh, mm-hmm. I don't carry much basher stuff. I don't even have a lot of tracks of stuff in the shop. I keep one or two kits in stock spindles, hubs, carriers, the the regular stuff that go out on the slash. Um, <clears throat> but we're trying to treat it more like a pro shop. I want to have the best parts available there. So not just the, the stock parts that come with your race kit, but all the good hop-ups from everybody, good speed controls, good aftermarket aluminum parts. Um, whenever little neat parts come out that are hard to find for people online, I usually try and contact that person direct by a bunch of them, like uh, – those BMI hub inserts a couple of years ago or a year ago, whatever it was. Yeah. I was buying those things 20 at a time and I, I wouldn't get a discount on them from the guy, but I wouldn't have to pay $5 shipping for each one. So we made five bucks off each one, which wasn't very much, but the racers were stoked. They could pick up some TLR 67 millimeter bones, the BMI axles and either pick up some hubs from shell or JC or whoever. And, uh, slap that together and have the parts there in the shop to be able to do cool stuff like that versus have to chase down the parts online. Mm-hmm. So. And then, so, yeah, so with the shop, you kind of uh, concentrated on, you know, uh, you know, working more directly with the customers over the counter and, and then uh, trying to have, like, the latest, greatest hop-ups um, exactly. that people – are a little tougher to get, right? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that people want, but they, in my mind, it's if I don't have it here and they're going to hop on A-Main, say they're hopping on A-Main for one little part, they're also going to buy their tires, they're going to buy their wheels, they're going to buy this, and then all of a sudden they get free shipping if they spend another 10 bucks, then they get 20 bucks off if they buy this. So it's like if I lose them for one little 5 or $10 part, I might have lost two or $300 on that sale. So I need to have <laughs> hey, everything lost stock all the time, yeah. So, and track fees alone don't keep the business open and the hobby shop's what pays for it all. So mm-hmm. it's like, I get these guys and 
sometimes I feel bad. It's like they come in with a new motor. I'm like, hey, how, where'd you get that motor at? Oh, I got it on A-Main. Well, why didn't you buy it for me? Uh, well, I was sitting at home and they were doing that. I'm like, uh, well, I got them right here, man. And I feel bad, but it's like I tell them, it's like if you don't buy your stuff here or buy it at OCRC, buy it at a track. Don't just buy it at a shop or buy it online. Just you got to support the tracks. So the tracks aren't going to be around anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, we're putting so many hours in trying to get this thing going, and uh, pretty much every penny we've made back through the tracks going right back into inventory and trying to build it up. New lights, new TVs, um, new packers. Rather than having to rent those every time, we got three awesome packers now that we own, and still don't have tractors. That's that's a a big big goal, but probably not something's going to happen anytime soon. So, just reinvesting the money back in the track, trying to make it as best as we can to keep up with OCRC and get people down to race at our facility more. Yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, kind of switching back right to the track a little bit, um, you know, I noticed, uh, you know, because you know, we'll talk about this separately because people have questions about that, this part, but my question was, you know, you, you'll kind of, me- I know you, you mentioned when you start a new track build and, you know, you'll start, you'll show photos and, uh, you know, hey, you know, pulling the pipes up or starting to work on the track. And, you know, for people that don't know and that type of thing, uh, you know, what's involved in a new track build? And you do them pretty regularly, maybe even more than m- most I've seen. Uh, but what's involved um, in the track builds? So our time, we're usually about two and a half to three months on them. So OC is doing them every two months now. So we're a little slower than them. Um, okay. Our track build, we got it down pretty good. It goes pretty fast. So basically, Sundays were normally open from 10 to 8 on track build weekends. Uh, basically, we work 10 to 5 on Sunday. Um, we shut the track down at 5 o'clock, and then whoever's there driving usually helps us pull up pipe. Those usually get out in within half hour, 45 minutes or so. So that's out. Um, from there, we bring in either a bobcat or a skid steer bobcat, and uh, – basically go through place all the dirt so actually uh scotty b a former owner he still comes out drives the bobcat for us every time um it's something i want to learn how to do i think i could pick it up pretty quickly but at the same time he is a madman on that thing and gets it knocked out pretty fast so sunday night he comes in we uh place all the dirt i have my layout drawn up already and i kind of get all the dirt where it needs to go and uh, we're usually out of there by 9 30 or 10 o'clock on sunday night um, we come in Monday morning, um, usually about 10 a.m., uh, me and a couple guys, and we'll start just tilling up the dirt. So we have a separate tractor that has a tiller on the back, like a little Kubota-style one, and uh, start tilling up the dirt and working from the back corner forward. And uh, usually we get about 10 or 15 people that come out. Some stay for a couple hours, some stay all day. Um, and we just start placing the dirt, shaping the jumps, packing it and working our way towards the exit of the track where we get the tractor off. Uh, from there, we bang out some pipes, and we've been done as early as 7 o'clock at night, and we've had times since I've been there last year where they're there until almost midnight wrapping it up. It just comes down to how many people show up, how experienced they are, and uh, how how complex the track is and some of the stuff we have to pack and build. So we, we get it done pretty fast. I mean, we're just over 24 hours start to finish on our track builds, and that's taking some time off to go get some sleep. So it uh, it, it's definitely not easy. It kicks your butt. You're sore for a few days, but it's just a lot of uh, sweat and 
muscle pushing packers around and moving dirt. So it goes really, really well. And without the guys that volunteer and help us do it, there's no way I could do it on my own. And, I mean, you usually kind of do things like, or a lot of people, is common, I guess, is someone, you know, we're going to order some pizza or drinks or beers or we'll have, you know, right, Coke or something there. Oh, yeah, and, I mean, um, I'd never buy beers for people at the track. That would be terrible. I mean, what kind of business owner would yeah, yeah. that? So, um, <laughs> but basically when the guys come out for the track days or the track builds, um, we definitely get them lunch. If some guys are there for a couple hours, we'll – toss them a free practice day i got other guys that are there all day long for 10 12 hours busting their ass they'll get a couple weeks of free racing or a month free or something like that i mean it just depends on how much time and effort they put in there i mean i'm not trying to get everyone to give up a day off to come out and move some dirt around with a shovel and push a packer it's a lot of work so i definitely want to take care of those guys um, but we got a lot of locals that have just so much pride, and some of them, they, they say, you know, I, I want to pay. I still want to pay my track fees. I want to do that. I want to support the track. We're here to help you, and we want to keep things going. So it it definitely yep. works out well. Yeah, I mean, I remember back when I, you know, got into RC, and, you know, we all, all of our tracks were outdoors, and, uh, you know, they were like club, more club-like, and, and when they would want to do the track builds, it was something that we would kind of go do because it was like a social activity in a way. Right. Um, so, so I could see that uh, if you can put past, you know, the shoveling and <laughs> a little bit of uh, soreness, <laughs> that it actually, it actually can. I, I know what it was for us. It was pretty fun in those days. Um, you know, I, I'm sure it's it, uh, it gets old pretty quick, but the but there is some camaraderie there, right? Yeah, there there definitely is. And most of the guys that come out are the core guys are at the track three, four days a week. And then we always get a couple of new guys. And it works out good for the new guys also because they're not just there wrenching on their stuff and doing their own thing. They get to know guys like Fred, like Eli, um, guys that are there for every single track build that always come and help out for every single one. T-Web's there all the time. And, uh, these guys that are at the track quite often, they get to know the new guys, the new guys feel more comfortable, they made new friends, and it just kind of builds from there. So it, it, it is a good social activity, it's a good bonding activity, and it's a good workout. <laughs> free workout. <laughs> yes, free, free workout at SDRC, your newest gym. So, uh, Gotti, I don't know if you want to uh, talk to Travis about some of his questions here that you know people have. Uh, I know I have a few of my own. We'll get to at the end, but um, I don't know if you want a few more. Either way, uh, how do you market the track to the community? Any advertisements, TV, radio? Um, you know, I really don't do anything outside of Facebook and Instagram. Um, I am so torn on bringing in new people and how it affects my current people. Like, we don't have any rentals at the track currently just because we were getting people that would come rent a truck and they'd come once a month or once and then never come back again, and they're out there breaking the local guys that are there four or five days a week paying for the stuff. Oh, boy. Mm. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's tough. The racer and me goes, you know, I want to keep this as a professional facility, 
and have people come in with good stuff that are committed to buying their own equipment and focusing on what they're doing rather than the slash guy that comes out, brings his truck, and he's going backwards down the straightaway and just annihilates someone's $2,000 car. Jason, this yeah. sounds like he's describing me when I raced. It could be. Yeah. It could be. You're lucky so, I don't I mean, live out there, uh, Travis. You'd be yeah, banned. Otherwise, we might have to have you go back outside. <laughs> um, but oh, this is where OCRC is doing so great. They got the whole sidetrack, and they do their rental program on that. So oh, okay. that's something I want to do. We got a nice little side yard. I want to build an astroturf or carpet track out there and get rentals going with that so people have a stepping stone to coming onto the, the big track. But in the meantime, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's it's something I think about so much, and I haven't found the right way to do it. I don't know how to market it to people outside besides word of mouth, but we do these Facebook videos. We have people share it. There's so many people at SDRC that absolutely love what they do, and uh, they bring their friends down. They let them borrow a car. They come in on a slow day or something like that. And those are the people that usually get into the hobby. I mean, I wish I had a way to go ahead and do something. Uh, the guy that seems to be doing great with that is uh, Dave up at Coyote Hobbies. Um, Dave has implemented the system that works with his local schools. And the schools are coming in, I think, one night a week for a couple hours, building car kits and then working up and racing them. So yeah. he's got something good going there at the school district. So I don't know how to get in on that, but definitely a thought that takes care of your question pete pete was asking if you had a rental program done sorry pete um no there was two questions here from chris uh who's your model racer the guy slash girl you respect the most and who do you detest the racer you least like to deal with not names but type of <laughs> racer <laughs> um well i'm gonna use names at least for the first oh, one all right <laughs> um you know when I started racing out at uh, more, Dustin Evans was the man. He just won his first Reedy race and was kind of flying the TLR flag with the new car. Dustin was always super nice, super helpful, and, well, actually, I don't want to change that from was. I want to say Dustin is always super nice, super helpful, and kind of an outgoing guy with a positive attitude. Um, that's what I think the best person is in, in RC right now. He's such a just nice genuine person so and he kicks ass so i like that um guys like zeke ballinger also another more guy right there um they just have a good time with what they're doing they get out they get the job done and they have fun with it um the guys i don't like are the racers that are taking the club racing too seriously that are pissed off in the driver's stand grumbling when a marshal goes too slow or they're kicking the driver's stand or stomping their feet or whatever that's uh not good for anybody it turns off new racers it makes people uncomfortable it makes them sad it makes them not want to come back so it's it's not about having the fastest guy out there it's about having the best attitude because hmm. if we're not uh having fun out there they're not going to come back you were talking about marshals there i had a question about marshals i gotta find mm -hmm. that okay uh <laughs> this is from chile uh what advice do you have for race directors to keep racers on pace to get their marshal spots without flat out yelling at them. I have seen tracks trying to dock laps from racers, charging them money when someone steps up to cover them, but looking for some fresh ideas if you have any. Uh, well, if 
you get 60 or 70 entries on a Wednesday night, if people want to go home at a decent hour, they're going to get out there and marshal. Right. If not, it's going to drag out, and uh, you're not going to get home till midnight. I would love to say, hey, we're going to dock you laps, but, I mean, has anybody ever done that, really? I've never seen it happen. <laughs> it, it's one maybe of those three times. Kind of threats. Yeah, maybe, maybe here and there, but if you <laughs> dock a racer a lap or you put him in the back, you know what? He's pissed off. He might not come out next week, and yeah. now I'm 20 bucks or 30 bucks out on race entries next week. So there's tracks charging mm-hmm. money for someone that steps um, up? Early? There was a track that posted something a couple weeks ago. They said, hey, um, if you don't get out here to Marshall, basically we're going to put 10 bucks up, and this guy's going to jump out there and blah, blah, blah. I don't know how it worked out. I read part of it, and I went... Well, what if the guy doesn't want to give the guy his ten bucks back for his spot? Then is the track out the money? So <laughs> that's crazy. I don't know. It uh, it didn't make sense, and it just seems like more ways to piss off the racers and have them not happy with what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, Allman asks, "How's the truck classes doing? How you digging?" Uh, Allman McCain. Yeah. He needs to get back out here. He lives kind of far away, but he used to come race with us once in a while. Uh, truck's doing great for us, actually. Um, what we've implemented, we started this a couple months ago, is if you're racing two-wheel buggy, four-wheel buggy, whatever, uh, two-wheel drive stadium truck and two-wheel drive short course are a free second class. So basically, I want to get our race numbers up. People were kind of hesitant to start racing a second class because – Everyone wasn't jumping on it simultaneously, so it was kind of a rush to get your cars done if we only have four or five heats. So now we've brought in stadium truck and short course for free, so it's uh, really grown. I think we had 11 or 12 trucks last night between the two, and everyone's having a a damn good time with it. Hmm. And uh, two-wheel drive short course is a blast, so everyone should buy one of those. Yeah, you can see it. He's a... He's a real big proponent of that short course class. Yeah, I am. I see that. And man, I just built a new team associated SC six point one. Oh yeah. I got all these awesome parts from J Concepts on it. Got some cool parts from <laughs> Team Associated. This thing's just insane. Uh you guys know Richard Lake? Mm-hmm. So he just ha- randomly walked through the door last night. He was I guess he's in California for uh work for training. I think he works at Lexus or something. So I said, hey, what are you doing here? And Kind of BS'd for a little bit, and I'm like, hey, guess what? I got a truck for you to race. So he didn't get any laps on the track uh, before racing at all. Basically threw the SC 6.1 down for round one, got hammered a few times because it's short course, and worked his way up. I think he started fourth on the grid for the main and ended up taking the win last night with it. I mean, wow. that truck is phenomenal. So And Zippy's an okay driver, so yeah. What you know, over time, you know, you've ran a bunch of the different short courses. Obviously, I mean, mm-hmm. maybe even all of them. Um, what what are the trucks that really stand out to you that you've liked over time? I mean, obviously, the difference in uh, generations of vehicles. But you know, what, what's your been your favorite short course that you've had? Um, that's kind of a tricky question. I mean, best performing versus favorite. I love rear motor stuff, and rear motor short course was just a blast. My low C uh, 22 SCT, the 1.0, that was probably the most fun truck that I felt the most connected with ever. But in today's track conditions, it would be slow. It would be 
pushy. It just it wouldn't work the best. Um, I was driving a low C 22 SCT 3.0 for a long time. Truck was really really good. It did pretty much everything I wanted to. Um, put that down, sold it, moved on to racing buggy and four wheel for the last few months, and then with the new associated truck coming out, I was like, oh man, I got to get one of these. Not just so I learned the 6.1 stuff better and I learned the new short course, but I want to race and I want to go out there. I want to have a good time with everything. Um, so my favorite short course, this new SC 6.1 is phenomenal. You can put it exactly where you want to put it. It drives great. It turns great. It feels like it's in the track rather than on it. It's not trying to roll over every other spot. So it's, it's probably the best short course out there and all the new 6.1 stuff. It's so easy to work on and it's, it's, it's really, really good. So if anybody's in the San Diego area wants to try one out, come through. I got a big motor in mine and, uh, I'll let you take it for a few laps. No. Oh. Well, there you go, Pete. I'll let you take your, take the uh, short course out. Yeah. A V8. Excited. I think Pete was asking for a friend though. So Pete's friend might be able to take it for a lap. Yeah, and then we got those. Uh, we got a couple of the new ready-to-run uh, team-associated five-series short course trucks. I think they're the Pro SC10. So I got one of those. It's not really a rental, but uh, depending on who walks through the door, if they're a racer from another track, we'll let them burn a pack or two on that thing. But as far as regular rentals, I don't know. It's a gray area, I guess. Uh, what is your secret to running a successful, successful track slash hobby shop with a lot of negativity on social media? How do you keep that out of your track and keep it fun yet competitive? Um, well, I can't really consider my track successful yet. I'm I'm doing the best I can, but I I'm new to all this. I don't have any college experience. I didn't I didn't go to school. I don't take any business classes. I'm kind of winging it. I gambled with everything I had in life and started this thing up and seemed like a good idea and uh, it's going well but it's not in the clear yet so mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm trying my damnedest and just put your heart and soul into it, put yourself out there I, I put myself on Facebook every single day, well maybe not every day but once a week maybe, maybe twice, sometimes twice a day I, I get out there. I give it everything I have. I, I show who I am as a person. I show that this is what I'm trying to do, and people either respect me and want to help support it, or I get a few people that talk some crap and whatever. Yeah. And uh, I'm not I'm not afraid to admit it. I I hit that ban button. They're not on the page anymore. And you know what? That nice. one guy that was there running his mouth. Yeah, he might have been a customer, but he might have turned off a few people. So he's blocked from the page. He's not on there anymore, and uh, there goes that negativity. When I have people in the track that are negative, I'll give them a warning. I'll talk to them, but there's a few people I've kicked out and told not to come back. Mm-hmm. It happens. It's uh, it, it it's bad for the industry to have people there that are pissed off and ruining other people's days, and they might not even realize it. I've had guys, I'm like, hey, you know what? I've talked to you before. Take a month off. Come back. We'll figure it out. They've come back with a better attitude. Other people never seen him again people are like well what about this he was a paying customer he's going to do this i'm like no he's going to turn other people off they're not going to come back and he's going to ruin this for everybody so i'm i'm not afraid to push those people out i don't want them it's good <laughs> yeah this is from our good friend and last week's guest chad brockman uh, i think he's a wrestler 
Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. And like, had... the first part of his last name is phenomenal, by the way. It is. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. We had Chad Brockman on the show, and now we have Travis. Travis Brock. Sounds like you two can yeah, square right. off against each other. I'd whip his ass. <laughs> Uh-oh. He could uh, he could probably sing about it or something. Well, let's here, here's a question for you. Uh, if you don't allow flip-flops on the track, why do you always wear them? Well, I, I am the first person to say this. Do as I say, not as I do. Um, I've had my feet split open a few times from cars. I've had chunks taken out of my shit. It hurts like hell. Yikes. I'm stupid. I feel I'm a pretty good marshal. I'm not afraid to jump out in front of cars to get stuff. Mm-hmm. I tell people every day, put your shoes on. I want you not marshaling slow because you're in flip-flops. I tell these guys time and again, put your shoes on. Um, I had a racer get hit in a high-speed sweeper by a stadium truck last week with a mod motor in it. I guarantee Mm. you that guy will never wear flip-flops to the track again. Ouch. There's a picture of that one on our Facebook page to remind people to put shoes on. Oh, Um, I I saw that. uh, Oh, the back of the ankle, wasn't it? Uh, hit him in the heel. It hit hard enough. It broke the arm on a 22T 4.0. So he got the impact from the bumper. He got the side of his heel split open from a broken arm. He uh, missed a few days of work. Mm. And uh, it sucks, but at least he's a man about it and not blaming us. So. Yeah. Hmm. <sighs> it's, uh, I hate shoes. I, I want to wear flip-flops every day, even when I'm in the snow. Oh, yeah? It's just me. Oh, Uh, He's got a snowshoes. That's like the flip flops of snowshoes. Snowshoes. Yeah, basically. I'll walk around in tennis rackets on my feet. I don't care. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm not racing every single day. I'm usually just working the shop. So yeah, I'm in flip flops is not that bad. If I go to another track and I'm racing, I bring my shoes with me. I'll I'll put them on when I go to drive, and I'll switch back to my flops when I'm uh, back in the pits. Hmm. <laughs> Um, let's see, Chad's got a couple questions here. Um, <clears throat> what would you change in the RC industry? I don't even know where to start with that one. Um, I think we got a pretty good thing, but you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure how to answer that question. There's some stuff I like in it, there's some stuff I don't like in it, and uh, I'm just kind of living it day by day and seeing what happens, so I don't know. Yeah. Uh, what is the best best race you you have ever had? Best race I have had. Yeah. Um, you know, Top Gun is always a ton of fun, but um, we do a race called Racer Appreciation Day. It's October first. Mm. Um, we've done it twice now. So October first, Racer Appreciation Day was the day I took over the track, <clears throat> and basically we had a free race day. Everybody come out. It didn't cost anything. Everyone's just there enjoying it and uh, loving life. So we did the second annual one last year, knocked it down to just uh, two-wheel stock, four-wheel stock, two-wheel mod, four-wheel mod, uh, just because we didn't want to have a bazillion entries for a free race day. So people yeah. come out, they appreciate it, and uh, those those have been my favorite days so far. You kind of celebrate the anniversary of me taking the track over and uh, just a good day. Uh, when is the Fast Life Company apparel going to come out with come out with a 
I love Travis Brock t-shirt. I would need a double XL, please, from Chad. I think they're actually in print right now, so I just have to message Kara and have her ship those direct. We're not associated with them. We're just sponsored by them. Okay. Uh, What do you see in SDRC Raceway Future? Maybe a Colorado location. Uh Uh-oh. I feel bad putting Chad out of business, but (laughs) if he wants us to try, I guess we could do that. I mean, have a wrestling match. They make it to 32 years, and all of a sudden they're out of business. Boom. I I feel bad. (laughs) Take that, Chad. From the top rope. (laughs) As he said, yeah. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, I'm not really, shoot, I don't have any giant goals. I'm just trying to do it day by day and make everything better that I can as it comes at me. I don't have a, we're going to do this by 2019 and by 2020 we're going to do this. I'm just taking it day by day, addressing the problems that come, trying to get some new product in the door, trying to have some racers bring some new faces through the door, and uh, just, just go step by step. Baby steps. Big baby steps, toddler steps, like the crazy two-year-old who won't <laughs> stop running. He doesn't know where he's going. Yeah. He's going somewhere. That's us. <laughs> uh, this here is from Nicholas Collender. Uh, how come no other track owner is leveraging social media like you are? Why are the dudes stuck in the 90s? Hey, wait a minute. I'm all, I love the 90s. Jeez. Yeah. What's but, he picking on me for, being stuck in the 90s? <laughs> damn parachute pants. Um... <laughs> You I know, may or may I, not I have know. ever owned um, those. I'm just saying. <laughs> no so, comment either. Yeah, um, yeah. I never had any really <laughs> bad ones, but I had some stupid stuff that my parents bought me when I was younger. So, yeah. whatever. I had a good, good time. 90s, though. So, it was a good time. Um, I don't know why everyone's not on there every day. I'm, I'm doing everything I can to make every dollar to keep this thing going and make a future for myself. If it works out, this is going to be awesome. If it doesn't, yeah, that sucks. But at least I can say I gave it everything I had. That's right. Man. Um. Facebook is an awesome outlet. When I started doing Facebook videos, it was to keep my local racers informed on what we had going on at the track and uh, what new parts we had in. That way they could go, oh, that's cool. When I come down, I'll pick one of those up. Um, I think we had just over 2,000 followers when I bought the track a year and a half ago, whatever it was, and uh, now we're over 5,000, and it spans the whole U.S., the whole parts of the world. And uh, I ship out maybe two or three things a week, just little screw sets or a motor plate or this new part or that new part. But I don't have a website. I just tell people, hey, if you want one, give me a call. Just pick up the phone, and I'll drop it in the mail for you tomorrow. So um, I got some good racers up in Northern California. All their parts come from me. I basically mail a package up to them a couple times a week. Um, I got some more people back east. We drop some parts in for them, and it's uh, really neat to be a hobby shop that's serving more than just San Diego right now. And if and when it ever does get to the point where we start an online store, it's uh, it's good to have a little bit of a repertoire with people there. Yeah. Building a brand. That's kind of a good way to, it's a good way to, to uh, work the business with some uh, customers too, because you almost get like a, uh, you get a direct, um, uh, relationship with that person instead of just like a email or some type of a checkout, you know, website yeah, checkout, right? 
it works good. And these guys that call in and it's not, hey, I want to buy an MIP conversion for my techno car. It's, what do you think about this? You're running this car. What have you done to try this? What have you done to that? Hey, you know what? I'll put a setup sheet in the box when I ship it out to you. How about that? As long as yeah. as well as the extra stuff you need, the right springs, the a not going to sell you. So we're going to put the sensor wire that you don't realize you need because you need a 260 or 70 millimeter sensor wire on the direct springs. You need a lot of stuff. So these people get what they need rather than just getting this box and having to figure it out on their own. Yeah, that's a big difference dealing with somebody that has them or they talk to somebody that has one every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it it's neat. Like, I get a lot of messages. I get a couple messages a day, just people not even buying stuff, just hitting us up over Facebook, over Instagram. Hey, I'm running this speed control. Can you recommend a gearing for it? Or just something simple like that that I've become a, a person in their life just because they see me on Facebook once in a while that they feel comfortable either calling the shop or shooting us a message or something like that. So it's it's uh it's good. I have a good time with it. I really do. And I'm not stuck in the 90s. Well, <laughs> I am, so. All right. Uh, Rob Sturgill. Oh, Facebook's number one commenter. <laughs> <laughs> How many donuts are you allowed per entry? You know, I really don't have a cap on it. Um, I have some guys that are taking three or four a morning on Saturdays. <laughs> and if you guys ever make it out here for a Saturday race at SDRC, we got this place in San Diego. It's called Donut Touch, and uh, mm-hmm. they make just this. Like you've had Krispy Kreme donuts, I assume when they're warm, yes. they're pretty good. Absolutely. So yeah. this guy, his donuts just annihilate Krispy Kreme. They're like the size of your head to start with. Wow. And then they're warm and fresh <laughs> still when we open the track. So we usually go down. Depending on the day, I get between like two dozen to four dozen donuts and. The guys that make it down early, they get as many free donuts as they want. And so we only get glazed for the most part. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're pretty ridiculous. Well, maybe you should send some to the show here, man. I'd like to try some. <laughs> um, Or maybe you should come race in San Diego. It's a beautiful place. Well, you don't want me racing there. I'll, I'll visit, maybe. but not We'll race. do a backwards race. That way you feel like you're going the right direction. Okay. <laughs> or just, just come hang out and eat a donut with us. <laughs> that, that'd be fine by me, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That'd be fine. Jason, I just came for the donuts. <laughs> donuts, tacos, oh. and the beaches. Oh, yeah, that might that might work out well. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Vacation. Yeah. Vacation. Staycation. Move out here. It's beautiful. There's you know, did you ever have to get? Did you ever have to give, give anybody the look on the amount of donuts they took? Like. <laughs> Hey, I think I think you've taken over your your allotment here. You know, I, I think they'd probably call me out on the one that stuck to the side of my face that I was trying to finish as I said something. So <laughs> I don't <laughs> put that back. Why? So you can eat it, Travis? No, it's just whatever. If there's donuts left and you're here early enough, go for them. Yeah. Like, oh. and and you're calling me out? <laughs> yeah. There's a big dude behind the counter with his fingers stuck through like five of them. Oh, man. Randy Pike wants to know, how does Travis Brock look so good with such little sleep? Oh, ain't that nice. There's actually two of me. (laughs) Wow. There you go. He cloned himself. No, I just ate a lot of donuts and kind (laughs) of split down the seam. Just doubled. (laughs) It happened. 
So thank you, Randy. Uh, much appreciated. Uh, we had uh, Matthew Gonzalez ask on my page, can we bring back the lemonade? I'm not even sure. Oh, you know, we, we, we got our little refrigerator we sell the drinks out of, and I don't know. Matt wanted lemonade for some reason, so we got him some lemonade, and he was the only person that bought it, and it took up too much room in the fridge to make any money, so it went bye-bye, and we got Lipton Brisk, because it's Brisk, baby. <laughs> so maybe maybe he could bring his own lemonade. That's kind of what we're saying. Like, if he wants to bring it and put it in the fridge and I'll sell it to him, that seems like a great idea. <laughs> hmm. Profit How about a lemonade stand? Uh, you know, he's almost to the age where he could do that. He's a pretty little princess. And he should uh, set up a lemonade stand. Yeah, he could do that in front of the track. Hmm. I do have one guy's girlfriend. She bakes fresh cookies and stuff and brings them down and cupcakes. Oh my she's goodness! Totally into bacon, so she brings them down maybe like once a month and sets up some stuff at the front counter with a little tip jar. So it's nice to have some fresh baked goods in there for sure. <clears throat> all right, what else we got, Gabby? I went through all mine. You said that okay. there. See, I'm here. We're all here. Ish. I don't. Uh, this is a guy that asked a question on my page. He just, and you know, it's kind of you've touched on this a little bit. I mean, you can just add a little bit. But he was just saying, what was the hardest part of starting up a small business in such a unique market? Um, trying myself to sleep. Hmm. The first couple months. I do that um, every night. So we have a, a 13,000 square foot building in San Diego, and it costs a lot of money. So I sold my cars, I sold everything, and I had a little bit of money to get this whole thing up and rolling. And uh, I was about two months into this thing, and I was about $5,000 shy of my rent payment with about a week left Oof. of everything just falling apart two months in I was going to be the guy that came in and bought SDRC and ruined it in two months and uh, it uh, it was pretty wild it it was scary Um, the the first six eight months of this place I was working all day every day and driving an hour and a half to the track and an hour half home sleeping going right back to work and living on the ragged edge trying to do everything I could to make this work. And uh, we got through that second month, and we got through the third month, and we brought some more parts and inventory in and brought some more parts and inventory in and kind of built it up to a a real shop that it is today. Um, Scott had unfortunately let the hobby shop fall apart. He was doing a lot of other stuff in his life, and it just wasn't a priority is my only guess. So, I mean, not not trying to badmouth Scott. It just it wasn't what it could be. There was like $25,000 in inventory there for anyone who knows what a hobby shop takes to be successful. You can't supply people what they want. There wasn't tires. There wasn't wheels. There wasn't wings. All those little things that a shop needed to run. So all the racers were buying their stuff online. So we had to basically make a shop and get people to switch their spending habits to the shop. And the first few months, it was it was really, really scary. It, it almost imploded two months in. So. <laughs> hmm. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Well, there's a good, um, that's a good answer to the question. Yeah. 
maybe a little bit more. Who knows? <laughs> Blood, sweat, and gears. Yes. Polypro plastic pinion gears. Um, one thing I was going to ask that's a little unrelated, but I've seen you do, you attend some different sports events and uh, you do some mountain biking and what, uh, you know, what, what do you do besides the RC stuff and what do you like about it? Um, your team, my, my personal time now is primarily bicycles, uh, mountain bikes, some road biking. I get to wear my stretchy pants and go block cars as I ride around town. Really enjoy <laughs> that. Um, my mountain biking is a blast. Um, downhill is my favorite part of that going up and riding the chairlifts during summer and shredding some of the bigger hills um also got my dirt bike got a ktm enduro and do a couple desert races on that and get out and do some techie stuff up in the rocks and do my best to get back to work on monday but i do that um absolutely love hockey i've become a terrible hockey fan the last two years Mm. used to go to quite a few games watch every single game on tv but uh Life took a big change a year and a half ago, and it just wasn't that much of a priority right now. So it just kind of went to the wayside and get to ride my bike when I have a little bit of time. The dirt bike sits in the garage collecting dust, but gets taken out once a month or so, and sometimes there's a hockey game on in the background at the shop that I can't watch. So, <laughs> And I'm trying to learn how to surf. That's uh, no. Been interesting. I live in PB Pacific Beach in San Diego, so I'm right by the water. It's absolutely Damn. beautiful. So, um, I started learning how to surf end of last summer, and then it got cold, and I didn't reach the point where I was good enough to go out in the cold water. So that kind of got put on the wayside, and started jumping back in last week. So hopefully, uh, I can pick this up pretty quick and start enjoying another sport that's in my backyard. What was that photo a while ago? I don't remember if you posted this or not. Was it looked like the the house or the small house out of the Top Gun movie? Does that have anything huh. to do with San Diego? Um, the small house from Top Gun is actually in Oceanside, like thirty miles north of me. Um, I don't remember posting it myself or anything like that, but it it is a real place. Okay. Yeah, I saw the photo, and I don't remember how I associated that with you, but, um, yeah, but yeah, that was a little bit of a comp. Yeah, there you go. Top Gun. Top yeah. Gun race. So uh, that one's going to be a good one this year again, so we're excited for that. Yeah, so let's talk about your events. you got one that's coming up. Um, yeah. So a little bit different of a of a format. Yeah, it's going to be the, the no... BS race, basically. So we're calling this one. It's going to be the West Coast Buggy Nationals. Um, It's going to be on July 21st. It's going to be a one-day race this year. Um, Basically, my plan is I want to have a couple big weekend-long races, two-day race, whatever you call them, Friday practice, three-day race, two-day, three-day thing. So this is going to be a race like that next year. But this year, July 21st, um, it's going to be a one-day event. Um, Basically, we're going to have three classes. We're having... uh, intermediate or sorry sportsman intermediate and expert each class is going to consist of two-wheel drive and four-wheel drive we're going to put them together kind of like reedy race um 
everyone's like, oh, cool, I'm going to raise stock. I'm going to do this. What's the motor limit? We're not, we're not going to have motor limits. If you feel you're faster with a 13.5 or a 7.5 or a 5.5, whatever it is, and you're racing sportsmen, go for it. I know that if I jump out there mm-hmm. with a 10.5 or a 9.5, I'm going to go slower than if it was a 13.5 or a 17.5 in my car. So we're mm-hmm. not going to have any motor limits on any of the cars. I'm not going to take battery voltage. If you want to overcharge with your 17.5 because you can't figure out that you should have put a 13.5 in there instead, go for it. That's on you. Um, I'm not going to check minimum weights on the car. Basically, you can show up with a two-wheel drive buggy and a four-wheel drive buggy. If the thing's 40 feet wide, we're going to have a problem. But if it looks like a two-wheel drive buggy, I'm not going to try and measure any wheelbase or widths or anything like that. Just show up with a car. No BS. It's going to be a good time. So, um, We're reaching out to some sponsors for that stuff, trying to get a couple things going. I know it's a little late on that, but it's uh, it's, it's going to be a damn good time. There's not going to be any complaining. There's not going to be people bitching about this motor not being legal or this guy running that rotor or this guy overcharging and not getting teched. So it's, uh, it's going to be a great one-day event, and people should try and get out to that one because it's going to be a little bit different than what everyone else is doing right now. Bring it. I will. I'll be there. <laughs> they're good. they're going to bring it. So then yep. we got to your, uh, which is probably your more, uh, or the the biggest race or your more famous race, which is the Top Gun. So that's end of the year, right? Yeah, yeah that's uh, first week in December. So I think it's uh, November 31st, December 1st and 2nd this year. So it'll be a Friday practice. Friday's included free. Um, and then it'll be a Saturday qualifiers mains on Sunday. So that's going to be the first week of December. And uh, that one sells out pretty quick. Um, we're not doing the OCRC thing where we sell it out in 37 seconds or something like that, but it did sell out the first day last year, so we're anticipating it to go pretty quick once again. And, uh, yeah, so it's going to be a lot of fun. So just uh, I, I enjoy the big races. It's a lot of work for us, and unfortunately we don't make a ton of money because we do good for that week and then the track's pretty slow the next couple weeks but I'm sure you've heard, sure you've heard that one before mm-hmm. there's a little hangover effect definitely but uh, the week or two leading up to it's always a good time and people putting a lot of extra packs in and we build some really fun layouts so if, if you guys haven't been out to SDRC to drive our stuff's uh, a little different than all the other layouts I've been to at different tracks uh, yeah, I remember the uh, one. Go of, ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Complete. I was just gonna say I remember the layout from the the layout you did last year at the Top Gun. Um, it was really cool. I mean, I watched all the races. Uh, I don't know if they're on Live RC or somebody was doing them live, but I watched them last year. Um, Spencer and Cavalieri were doing them, and uh, oh, yeah. yeah, it was a cool layout. And they're getting better. I'm kind of finding my flow as a track builder and how to design stuff. And basically, my way of doing stuff is I build a fun on-road track with elevation and then add jumps to it. Because these new cars have so much corner speed that you're not just trying to get the rhythm sections right. You've got to get the corners perfect. And if you could add a slight mm-hmm. off-camber or a roller or just something so small to the track that just keeps it interesting, it keeps people on their toes... And uh, you can use these to your advantage. You're not necessarily driving what looks like it'd be the race line. Maybe moving move outside a little bit, and there's a little bit of bank to the turn, so you can stuff the car into that versus being a foot inside, and it's 
slightly off camber, but it's still smooth and transitions correctly. Yep. That's, um, that's the kind of tracks that I like. Uh, elevation changes, and uh, like you're saying, that's a uh, that's a good racetrack, not necessarily an obstacle course, but a good racetrack. Right. And uh, like when I've done a few eight scale races and going up to Thunder Alley, that's one thing I love about that facility is how much elevation they have. Mm-hmm. We're working with a sandbox on a flat piece of concrete, but we can get comfortable <laughs> stuff in there that it really keeps people on their toes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, you want to give anything else uh, a shout out here and maybe get some people mentioned or yourself uh, mentioned? Thanks to uh, all the local guys that support us and come out and race with us on a regular basis. Um, Thank you for the help you've given me recently and uh, a little bit of stuff over the last couple of years also it's good getting to know you a little better so uh, looking forward to bumping into you at the next one and hopefully we see you soon okay anything from you Gotti? I had one question that just came in because you were mentioning techno earlier this comes in from Justin Ooh. Justin Juber aka Paul Timberman that's uh, an inside okay. joke uh, thoughts on the teaser techno ET410 video um, class seem viable um, or just a fad? So here's here's the thing with the Techno ET410 that doesn't exist and hasn't been announced yet. So um, I don't think Daniel will get <laughs> mad if I talk about it. So the Techno's less than a mile from our facility, so they they do pretty much all their indoor testing at our place. So normally I can't talk about it, okay. but Techno showed up with four trucks in public last night and race them last night. So I'm going to say it's okay. Mm-hmm. So do you guys remember the Ofna Hyper TT? It was basically I do. a four-wheel drive, 10-scale stadium truck. So Techno's taken their EV410, their four-wheel drive, 10-scale buggy. They've slapped on some wider arms and changed a few things on it, and they built basically a, a miniature truggy. It's a little bit bigger than the current EV410. I don't know if it's the same chassis or a little longer. It looks about the same length. But it runs a team-associated offset wheel and stadium truck tires or short course tires on it. And I got to drive this thing yesterday, and it was insane. So Hmm. they had a few different options going. They had one truck with a 7.5 turn motor in it, they had another one with a Pro 4 4600 four pole that was just insanely way too much power. Mason Epley was driving that one yesterday and just annihilated anything and everything at the track. Um, they had another guy with one of the Tekken Pro 2 motors out there, and they, they just brought a whole hodgepodge of different configurations of these for people to check out yesterday. And they weren't letting everyone drive them. A couple of the Techno team guys got to run them. I got to run them because I have a track, and I need to kick people out if they don't let me drive their stuff. And uh, yep. as far as it being a viable class, um, I know at SDRC we're going to have two or three heats of them every race night because people where we're at, we know what techno is. We know how much love there is for that. They have one of the strongest followings out of all the manufacturers. And I don't know how they are in Florida. I'm guessing they're pretty good. I mean, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Is there a lot of techno yeah. out there? So, um, but- <clears throat> it's, it's, it's getting to be more for sure. It's it's weird. Like these techno guys are the most diehard, loyal, 
manufacturer followers out of everyone that I've seen from all the companies. Like, you get some associated guys, they'll jump over to Losi, they'll jump over to whatever, but it seems like these techno guys are just, like, locked in, mm. never going to do anything, got a techno tattoo on their arm, they love it so much. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> what I think is going to happen, um, I think right now, like, talking to the other track owners around, like, we have... We've sold over 80 of these techno kits on my track, the, the four-wheel drive buggy, the EV410. Everybody runs them. I got a couple associates, one or two losies, but we're a techno track for four-wheel drive buggy right now. Um, the new ET410, the mini truggy, whatever you want to call it, is going to be a huge hit for me. So what I see happening is these other tracks around where there's maybe only two or three techno guys running their EV410s, I think they're probably going to pick up a car, or sorry, a truck that they love, and they're going to have a blast with it. And they're going to start running it, and other people are going to start running it. And yep. I see it taking off because it's such a fun class. There's so much traction. There's so much power. And it's just going to be the most fun thing. It's going to bring back RC like Short Course did a few years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, mm. that's my thought. So uh, hopefully I like it. their release done in the next few days here so that people can actually see what we were able to see. And, uh, yeah, so it's going to be a treat for everybody. Nice. Yeah, you know, I mean, um, you know, what's funny about all this is that, you know, lots of things go back. Um, I mean, when we were doing the BJ4 uh, mm-hmm. four-wheel drive buggy, buggy, you know, we were – we actually spent some time looking at, you know, what we would have to do to turn it into a stadium truck, a four-wheel drive stadium truck. Hmm. Um, or, you know, I don't know if we want to call it a stadium truck, but a truck. Yeah. And, you know, at that time we had, uh, you know, we messed around with it a little bit and, you know, and people were asking us to make one. Yeah. Because there have been a few people give it a shot over the years but it was never, you know, like HPI, I think, had one. But they were never really competition-inspired. Right. Um, and, um, you know, one way or another, there were some corners cut that just didn't work. But, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, so it's that it's been dangling out there for a while. And, and what I see, there's already raw rules in place for a class, right? I don't know if you know that or not. I think there is, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's got potential, and uh, oh yeah, we had these little teaser things. I was kind of sneaking out on the team on the SDRC page yesterday, trying to get some more followers and stuff out of it. And uh, one guy posted up. I can't remember his name, but he had a TLR twenty two four uh, four wheel drive Losi buggy with stadium truck arms and wheels and tires on it. He had built his own out of a twenty two four. It was just beautiful look. So. Um, Losi could make one pretty easily if this guy can put it together. Damn, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, are people that could too. Yeah, I mean, I real, I certainly, I hope it, it's, it is a success. I mean, I, I forget, I we, I did some article with somebody where they asked me. I think it was Mike Garrison. Maybe they asked me about the truck class, and you know, and I was, I was kind of asking for a four wheel drive uh, truck class in ten scale. And, so yeah, I'm happy to see that someone's going to do it, and I think Techno is probably the right company to do it. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, with the following, the loyal people, like you mentioned, that they're that they're getting, and 
And um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm excited uh, about seeing this and and uh, being a part of it. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's going to be one of those things that you can just hand to your friend who's been running two wheel buggy, and this is just going to put a a smile so big on his face he's going to get cramps in his cheeks. <laughs> yep. He's like, okay, okay. Where do I sign up? Yeah, this is definitely going to get some new people onto the techno side of things and help grow their brand even more. Wow. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's cool. A lot of high praise there. Well, good news. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be the best. All right. There we go. All right, guys. Well, enjoy the rest of your show, and thanks for having me on, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Travis. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Have a great day. See you. Bye. Travis Brock. That's right. We're on a we're on a track owner kick right now. We're gonna hit another one. Oh yeah. What we need to do is we're gonna highlight people that are good at promoting their track. So we'll we'll yeah, we'll like hit it. those people up. There's a lot of good stories behind you know these guys that you know I think it's a great story of Travis just taking a risk man you know and yeah a lot of us are afraid to do that and you know I admire guys that do that so it's pretty cool they have more balls than I have so I think uh, Daniel Bryan once said I'm going to WWE here if you fight for your dreams your dreams will fight for you Wow. All you guys out there that are chasing a dream, there you go. Your dreams will fight for you. It's good. All right. Good stuff. We are... What else you got going today? Oh, you know what? We actually had a question here for you. Um, Oh. uh, Jason, are you you going to make smoothies in 2.2? Um... I don't think so, because we have the the octagons, and that's kind of taken over as the tire that would be our slick type of tire. Oh, okay. So, at least that's where we're at with right now. There was a time where I made a I made a part number, I made a description, uh, you know, for. Uh, for a smoothie 2.2, but we've just kind of hesitated on it uh, because the octagons have done so well for us, and and uh, yeah, that's basically it. All right, here's another one for you. Well, that last question, by the way, is from Paul Timberman. All right, um, question for Jason. This is from Joe Zare Jr. It seems like AKA might be on their way out. What? Uh, I just saw an interview with Joel at the uh, Ace Girl Nash. Hey, by the way, Joel was there. Did you get me uh, any autographs at the Ace Girl Nash? <laughs> you know what's funny? Is the first time I saw him, all I thought about was you. God damn. I was like, dude, I need to, I need to take a picture of him right now and send it to Gotti. It's Joel. Oh, I couldn't believe it. Like I was, I, I'm sitting here watching the race and. The whole weekend, I had no clue that he was there, and then all of a sudden, he's on. They're doing an interview with him on Live RC, and I was like, "Oh my God, it's Joel Johnson!" I pushed Carrie out of the way so I can see quick. 
So, uh, where was I? Magic Man. <laughs> rules. Yeah. Um, we gotta get Joel back on, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, where was I here? It feels like AK, AK might be on the way out. Okay. It feels like they haven't come out with a new product for a couple of years. What? Huh? They haven't come out with a new product in a couple That's of years. That's probably true. Really? That's probably true. Yeah, I, like, I do know that they ended their podcast after two episodes. How about that? Yeah, that's a pretty. Come on, Joel, deal. what's up? Two episodes. <laughs> I got a little worried when you started. All right, I'm just busting them. Um, who do you think will take the number three spot in the states? Hot, hot race, Jane. I don't even know these names. Hot race, James Raw, or none of them. Number three spot. How many tire guys are out there now? What do we got? We got J Concepts. We got AKA. What else do we have? Uh, uh, yeah, you got. Um, yeah, you got. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't even mention those. Um, you know, he mentioned like uh, James, and obviously you got Proline. What's, what's James? Uh, it's a, it's a like an Asian brand, kind of like the you know like sweep gotcha okay i mean you know what he's saying about aka you know i don't really know the ins and outs of all that i mean i know that they let mark Cavitas go um which was for um financial reasons i think uh mostly um but um they haven't had any new products for a while, but at the same time, it's not like they've slowed down on some of their results. Uh, they're still getting great results um, at the races. Um, their guys are performing. They have probably what you could consider um, maybe the favorite to win the Worlds this year. Maybe, hmm. <clears throat> maybe second. At least he's he's in the top three, which is De, uh, Davide Ungaro. Uh, kid's probably the hottest uh, driver in Europe right now. Uh, him, uh, David Ronafalk, and well, there's a there's a couple. Um, so Davide, David Ronafalk, Robert Battle, and Elliot Boots are probably the fastest four drivers in Europe. <clears throat> and Davide has probably been getting the better of those guys uh, most of the year. Uh, David David did win the world's warm up, uh, so that's been good uh, for us. Uh, you know, getting some solid feedback and results on the track where the worlds is going to be. But um, yeah, I mean, I honestly don't know that AK is going to really go anywhere uh, as. Maybe the question suggests. I think that they're probably trying to analyze the market and kind of see maybe a little better where they fit in. I mean, financially, it isn't easy in RC right now. Um, There isn't the gateway class like there was a few years ago. Um, We had one of our largest distributors in RC went out of business and owed a lot of people money. And... um, that's affecting everybody, 
and I wouldn't be surprised, you know, had it, it affected us. I'm sure it affected AKA and ProLine and Associated and everybody else. And you have to, you know, people owe you money. You just kind of, I mean, in a situation like that, you don't get it. So um, now Horizon owns them. And <clears throat> But you're talking about, you know, you still got Gillespie Jr., you still got Joel Johnson, two of the biggest names ever in RC. Uh, you got Gillespie Jr., who um, I assume he has some money still from the Losey days and depend, just depends what he wants to do with it, if he wants to keep putting it in the, R, in the RC stuff or not. Um, and... You know, of course, he's, his dad, Pops, um, has always, and of course, this is just all perception, but I always yeah. seem like he has some money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I don't know that that's going to go anywhere as long as those two guys want to try to make it work. I think that the, uh, it's probably not a good sign for the business or the industry if they, if some of these companies don't make it because it means the the business isn't doing that well. So, you know, that could be a bad thing. I mean, as far as anybody else taking over that third position, um, you know, the names there, I I really don't know. I I think it's it's, it's, it's definitely... I've always said this, if you're going to get into this business, um, you know, we've been doing this 15 years now um, as a business, but I've been in RC, um, you know, most of my life now. But, um, you know, for one thing, you don't just make something in this business and turn into a millionaire. It just, it doesn't happen. Um, This isn't that kind of a business. Um, you have to have a lot of um, passion and pride and a lot of patience. And if you don't have those things, you're not gonna you're not gonna have any success. And if you expect to come in and just knock it out of the park and you know make millions of dollars, that's not happening. Yeah. And you know the 80s and the 90, early 90s, those were the the golden years in RC. The Associates, the the original Team Losi, Trinity, Reedy. Um, you know, Tamiya, those were the guys that cleaned up. Oh boy, did they! Um, <laughs> in those days, and and they don't in those days aren't. It's not like that anymore. And there's two. There's a lot of competition. The market's not the same. Um, and so, uh, you know, just a, it's a completely different industry than it was back then. Um. Now, you know, back then, every, you know, I mean, I remember people telling me that uh, when you're in the business and in the industry as a racer, you know, back in the day, it's like, man, I wish I was, everyone's like, I wish I was associated or, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you were in the industry, you you know, you would go to the hobby shows, you know, like you went there to Chicago show and all that stuff. And, yep. you know, and when you were in the industry, people would be like, man, I wish we were Tamiya because they were like, the ones that were, you know, really kicking ass. They had, you know, their uh, their business was far greater than a lot of others out there. 
but now everybody wishes they were Traxxas. You know, that's that's the new that's the name in RC now that that is like you know everyone compares everything to. Um, they've had some of the hottest vehicles of all time. Now, you know, between the T Max, the Slash, uh, many of their things, the Rustler and the Stampede, all these vehicles. Um, were so successful and um, they've never really been high performance racing vehicles uh, but they've but they sold to the masses and they're really the ones that when they do something big and it and gets a lot of people into RC <clears throat> all the other companies benefit from it so all of us are all big fans of Traxxas because if they pull the rabbit out of the hat, everybody else is kind of on their coattails. I mean, that's what happened with Short Course is they pulled the rabbit out of the hat with that truck and and it was a, you know, it had a huge impact on our whole industry for five, six years. <clears throat> so... You know, that's what we're kind of waiting for right now. We we need that. You know, Travis just talked about the new Techno uh, four-wheel drive truck. And, and I, I believe that that is going to be a pretty nice uh, addition. Um, and it, it's going to have a, a little bit of a splash for sure. It's got some fun tied to it. It's got some racing tied to it. And that's going to be a big release for them. But... You know, will it be the gateway? You know, is it the gateway piece? Um, you know, they don't have the drawing power power um, as a Traxxas. So, <clears throat> but it'll be good. But, you know, it's one of those things that you, you're kind of, sometimes you're like, man, I wish Traxxas would make it. <laughs> yeah. Because um, they have so much power. <laughs> And right now, their latest releases are scale trucks, TRX4. Um, you know, they, they constantly just rebody the Stampede truck. You know, lately, the rebodies on the Stampede are all Bigfoot trucks, which is cool for me right. as an old-school fan. But, you know, those aren't really – doesn't really bring in racers. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's kind of a fun play truck. But, you know, they just did the uh, the U – UDR, Unlimited Desert Racer, they call it, which is, the, the only thing goofy about that is we bought one, I played with it outside, and it's it's big, but it's also not like a real scale, they won't say, they don't say what scale it is, they just say it's like pro scale or something like that, <sighs> so it's, it's not fifth scale, it's not eighth scale, it's sixth scale, like, they don't really say what it is. Yeah. And I'm sure there is a scale, but <clears throat> but it's expensive. It's big. You equip it right. It's fast. But it doesn't, like when I drove it on the asphalt, it's not the most magical handling thing out there. Uh-oh. And um, But it is awesome. This thing is such a nice piece. Uh, I, I mean, they have millions of dollars in this truck uh, developing it, I'm sure. Um, and it is a hell of a, a 
a vehicle. But, you know, I drove it on the asphalt, and I was like, eh. Like, I wasn't, like, I wasn't just blown away. And so what I did is I shipped it to Mayfield, and I just said, hey, drive this thing. See what you think. So... Trying to watch the draft, the NBA draft. I don't really understand what's going on. Big trades happening tonight. Hopefully. So, yeah, the des- the the Traxxas truck. I sent it to Mayfield. I let him drive it. He drove it outside, and then he said, "Oh, I need to gear it up. I need to get some stuff from the hobby shop." So he went to Hobby Action. He got some stuff, and then he brought it out to the track. And I guess he was out there breaking in his nitro engines for the Nationals, and he would, like, text me and call me. He's like, I'm driving that Traxxas truck out here. I'm beating the shit out of it. And because um, I just, you know, he likes that kind of stuff. So I wanted to get his feeling on what he thought about it. And and he's like, yeah, half the body is off of it now. And, like, because I'm beating the crap out of it. And, then he broke broke a steer. He brought it out to like his relative's house, and bashed it with them, and then he something with a servo. But I mean, when I think I'm hard on something, he's like three times as hard on it. So the fact that it's probably made it that far shows that it's probably a pretty damn nice piece. But it's like when he was. He was at our shop a couple months ago. Uh, him and Spencer were there, and they got their vehicles ready to go run the the warm up race mm-hmm. at Lake City. And uh, Ryan's like, "I'm gonna go take, I'm gonna go outside and run my engines a little bit, and uh, get a good idea what's happening." So as we see him out there, and pretty soon he's jumping off the loading dock <laughs> with his truggy. He's driving his race truggy. He's yes. driving his race truggy in the in the parking lot, and he's just, you know, right off the loading dock. Right. You know, landed, take take right off, no problem. I mean, it's not really that big of a deal, but it was just funny because you know he takes his race truck and he's just driving all over the parking lot, jumping it off the loading dock, and yeah, you know, the perfect landing. He didn't scratch anything, but it's just funny because you know these guys race machine and he's bashing it that's that's fun yeah he likes that fun yeah that's why i kind of sent him that stuff i'm like you know what he's gonna beat this thing up we'll see what it's like yeah all right episode 177 in the books thank you to travis brock of yep. sdrc raceway who, who again who travis brock there we go All right, fans, we'll catch you next week. Later.